Hi and welcome to the podcast, you're having tea with Alice. My guest this week is Aaron Simmons and we spoke about everything from him being a world champion powerlifter, drinking hot Ribena, international sport being called Hot Wheels and his transition from basketball to powerlifting. We did not get onto his love for Harry Potter so I'm going to have to have him back to talk about that. I really enjoyed uh, having this podcast, I really enjoyed having the conversation. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it. Yes, I know I took a week off. I was sick again, um, but I promise now I'm looking after myself. The last post is all under control and I'm no longer running myself into the ground, not so much burning the candle as both ends as throwing it directly into the furnace. So I can, I can guarantee that there will be more regular output on the podcast as we go forward. Thank you so much to all of the people who have been subscribing on Patreon and sending me messages there, patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. If you want to, you can just go there. There are a lot of blogs that I put up there for free, a lot of stuff that I put up there. For anyone who's interested, you do not have to subscribe. Uh, You can also get access to the resistance and to ethos in full at the $5 level if that's something you're interested in. Otherwise, send me an email at alicerfraser at gmail.com or tweet me at alliterative, A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. I will let you get on with listening to the podcast and I will talk to you again next week. You're having tea with Alice. Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. Who are you and what are you drinking? Uh, I'm Aaron Simmons and currently nothing. She's offered to make me a, a, a drink but hasn't actually made a drink. Uh, That's because you brought your own drink. I brought my own drink. Am I here to make my own drink? Oh, what? so what did you bring? I brought the squash that is going to be diluted by oh, hot water. I see. I'm going for a hot Ribena. Is that what you want? A hot Ribena? All yes, right. please. I will get you a hot Ribena. Sure. Am I going to fail whilst you're... Will you're no, what? I mean, you can probably hear me from here. Um, okay. How much do you take hot Ribena? Like, how much, you know... Pretty, pretty strong. Pretty strong. I'm a pretty strong guy. I like my, my like Ribena pretty half strong. Full? <laughs> Not half full? Not half I don't... I have no idea. I've never made a hot Ribena before. Have you ever tried a hot Ribena I've before? I've never tried a hot Ribena before. Well, feel free to try... Oh, that tastes like I've made it too strong. Alright, well, try this, and if it makes you hyperactive, I apologise in advance. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fine. Um, why do you like that's, hot Ribena? Perfect. perfect. Um, Excellent. So, I was trying to think about it, because we only met yesterday. Yes, we and did. And you said, come on my show and drink some tea with me. And I'm like, I don't like tea. And, I, and you said, why don't you like tea? Yes. And I was trying to think of it. And... I think the reason why I don't like tea is because I never wanted to be part of the adult table as a kid. Uh-huh. When you got offered the choice between tea and Capri Sun, Capri Sun every day of the week. Like, I don't get why you wouldn't want to have a Capri Sun. Because I just never drank it as a kid. And then when I was an adult, I had the choice of whether I could buy my own Capri Sun. And I was like, yes, absolutely. But I was also... A lot of people would have a cup of tea and a biscuit, and I was a personal trainer, and so I was like, well, I can't have the biscuit. So out of the two of those things, the biscuit is definitely the better thing. So I just never got into it. And then I got... So you mean... Wait, wait, back up. So you mean that people would have a cup of tea and a biscuit as a vector for having a biscuit, as an excuse to have a biscuit? Sure, that was... And so you saw the tea as, like... Redundant. Redundant, okay. Not redundant, just the, the lesser of those two parts see I would rather have a cup of tea than a biscuit interesting 
Uh, I don't particularly tend to like biscuits. Okay. And I'm not sure how much of that is when I was like crazy marathon running and mm. like borderline orthorexic, which okay. is to say only eating like super healthy food mm. that I sort of talked myself out of. Mm. Uh, liking things like that. I wonder if it's still like some inculcated fear of carbs, but I actually just think it's because I'm I'm not I'm kind of a texture fiend. Okay. Like I would like a mochi rather than a biscuit. What's a mochi? A mochi is a Japanese uh, sweet. It's made out of usually glutinous rice flour. Okay. It's sort of squidgy and it's got a really sort of delicate, delicious texture. It's like eating a baby. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. You know when you when you when you when you put it like that, yeah, I'll have a cup of tea, please. <laughs> well, no, like when you meet a baby and they're so squishy, and there's something you just want to squish their little knees. Do you know the texture of a baby? I, not intimately, no. <laughs> uh, Mate, you don't. You are not hanging out around enough babies. I I think that is probably accurate, but I think that's for the baby's own good. Uh, yeah, I mean, babies don't have cartilage in their knees. You no, know? they don't. But you can, they've got usually got little. Uh, you know, uh, if they're squishy babies, they have a little squishy bit above their knee. Yes. So, and it's yeah. very, it's very uh, soft and delicate. It's like, that's what the texture of a good mochi is like. Okay. Well, I mean, if I ever have a mochi and I think, yeah, that's like a baby, I would definitely give you a call. If you Just, end up hanging out with me again, there will yeah. definitely be mochis and probably babies. I'm friends okay. with quite a lot of babies. I like babies. Okay. Mm. Not so keen on children. Okay. So at what point are you like... That's enough. Once they start sort of having a- opinions. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, no, fair enough. I, I don't mind... Ba- I'm, so I am very much not interested in having babies now. I, I'm too incapable of looking after myself, let alone another human being. Mm-hmm. I'm quite looking forward to the idea of being an uncle. My brother got married a couple of years ago, Um which really takes the pressure off me having kids, um, which is great. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to being an uncle because I like, I like the idea of playing with a baby mm. and then giving it back. That's yes. the bit that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I've been talking about oh, this. I don't like this anymore. It's all yours. I'm going to go. I've been talking about this with my twin brother who has mm-hmm. a baby and he's the he's the you know primary carer for this baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a really interesting thing how much work babies are and the weird way in which people kind of acknowledge that they're an enormous amount of work while undervaluing that work and looking for ways to kind of write it off. The idea that you should go back to work after a oh, couple yeah. of, even a couple of months yeah, after it's... having a baby, it's, they're, they're an entire human being. Mm. And you're building them. You know, you're programming their very, very earliest fundamental things, like how they feel safe and how they function with... And keeping them alive, most And important. keeping them alive. Yeah. I mean, you can sort of outsource the keeping them alive part, but that kind can of... You? Well, yeah, you can get, you know, nurses or childcare or whatever Sh- it happens to be. That's sure. something that other people can do. But that kind of, you know, deep bonding and ability to engage with other human beings, I think, gets programmed, like, very mm. early on. And undervaluing that is a bad investment in, like, say, 15 years' time? Yes, yeah. That's a very good point. You really, you're doing the hard work early. If you look after a baby right, yeah. then when they're a teenager, they won't be a dickhead. I feel like that, and I'm not sure entirely what the science is, but I do listen to the Dollop podcast, uh-huh. which is an American history podcast, and they talk about people in history who've done maniacal things, you know, who've had a big impact on history or done things that are out there or ended yeah. up, you know, stealing a tank. Good and, and bad or 
just bad. Bad. Okay. Bad, mainly bad. It's, mainly bad. It tends to focus on the bad, the sort of outrageous and astonishing yeah. and people who, you know, started cults or stole tanks and drove into a bank or whatever it happens to be. And it... Or Wednesday. A lot of those podcasts begin with talking about how the mother left. Yeah. Or died or mm. they the family situation when they were very young was yeah. a problem. Tur- turbulent. Turbulent. Which is not to say that everyone who has a turbulent early early age experience is going to turn out, you know, do it, having a terrible impact on American history. But certainly it seems like the evidence leans towards... You're more likely to do it if you do. Why would you not value that investment of time Yeah. over, say, working at a bank for six months? Mm. Um, but anyway, that's what I've been thinking about. What have you been wrestling with of late? What are you unsure about? Uh, yeah. I, um, the biggest thing in my mind at the minute is um, about disability. Uh, fun fact for your, for your listeners, uh, I have cerebral palsy and um, my show... Well, you don't sound disabled. Thanks, mate. <laughs> I've had a lot of speech therapy. Um, <laughs> almost messed up the word speech therapy there. That would have been fun. No, uh, so my show this year is, is all about the fact that I got given a nickname based on my disability. Um, and uh, after a one let stand and she reduced me to the fact that I was just disabled and um, it wasn't just her it was her mates called her that and you know even three four years later she was still calling me that nickname and like I didn't mind the nickname at all I thought it was really funny when I heard it it's Hot Wheels which is just a a great nickname but is that from Degrassi High or something? I think it's reference to the fact that I use a wheelchair and there are toys called Hot Wheels. Oh, I see. I think no, there was there was a character on Degrassi High who was called Wheels, which I know because there was a comedy sketch that I was a part of. Not having okay. ever watched TV as a okay. kid, there was a character called Wheels in that show. Okay. I think you have given them a huge amount of intelligence, though. I don't think they have. <laughs> Access to Canadian television. I yeah, think. I don't think Canadian television was that popular where uh, these people are from. So um, you got this sort of not insulting but certainly reductive nickname. Yeah, and but they were using it as a stick to beat her with, essentially, um, of like, you slept with a guy in a wheelchair, and like that didn't sit right with me. Um, no. And so, yeah, so basically what I've been doing for the last sort of three to six months is thinking about all the positive things that have happened to me because of being in a wheelchair and and being disabled. And that's hopefully what my next show is going to be about. Um, And it's sort of weird to do it in such a, like, this is what I want the show to be about, positivity of, of disability and all that kind of stuff. Whereas last year's show was all about it sort of had that theme in it for a very small part of it I think about one or two minutes of the show was about how proud I was of being disabled Um, because last year I got trolled on the internet for not being disabled enough so I don't know (laughs) I don't know if I've got like the perfect disability that people think I'm both too disabled and not disabled enough yeah. or whether there is no medium ground and those two circles just do not hit each other in a Venn diagram. So, yeah, so many people spend so much time, and I don't know if it's just like human nature or whatever, ranking themselves against mm. each other and categorising each other and all of all of that stuff. Yeah. It's weird because, like, 
when you just say that, in my head I'm thinking, oh, where am I in terms of the disabled comedians on the circuit? And, like, one thing I would say is I'm, I'm definitely not the funniest disabled comedian, but I am definitely the <laughs> fastest. Is? You're the fastest. Yeah, I could take any of them in a race. Uh, <laughs> loads of them make more money than me, play bigger rooms, whatever. I'll beat them downhill 99 times out of 100. You'll get on stage quicker. And yeah, <laughs> and more aggressively. Uh, who's the funniest? I personally think it's Tim Renko. He makes me... Like, he's amazing what, what he does. See, I knew Tim Renko when I was in New York, just uh-huh. starting out on the open mic scene. Okay. And he was very funny then. Mm. And now he's, That's you know, yeah. 10 years funnier than that. Yeah. I mean, he's amazing, but, you know, can he beat me in a race? No. No, absolutely not. It's interesting that you say the positive things about being disabled. Mm. There's sort of... I I think that's a really interesting ground to tread Mm -hmm. because there are two kind of immediate reactions that I have when I hear, you know, I'm proud to be disabled, which is there is a lot of of kind of facile pride going about Mm -hmm. at the moment. People are sort of proud of their identity in that Mm -hmm. way that kind of rose up out of the civil rights movement and has now been co-opted by every person who is in any way different Mm -hmm. from a sort of a speculative norm that has something Mm -hmm. to do with... 1950s television and not much to do with actual reality or how anyone is. Um, But at the same time, there are... I'm I'm obsessed with the idea of Mm anti-fragility, which is a thing that is used in quite bad faith by kind of right-wing people, Mm. but is, I think, an important thing as a counter to the idea of protecting ourselves from everything harmful or difficult. Mm which is that you, there is something really good that happens when bad things happen. Okay. Or that can happen when bad yeah, things happen. Yeah, sure. Most, like the, my most kind of obvious example of that is the way in which my family interacts and the way in which I had a really good relationship with my mum, mm. in part because she was always sick. Mm. So I knew that I had to be kind to her. When my yeah. mum died, I had never said anything mean to her. Mm which is a thing that nobody gets. Nobody gets that privilege. Yeah, that is... Like, that's a ridiculous yeah. thing to be able to say, and mm. that would not have happened, almost certainly would not have happened yeah. had if... I not known from an early age. Mm. Yeah. I think that's un- an undeniable good that would not have happened unless this terrible thing had happened. And you can't, like, make a trade-off in your head. You can't be like, <laughs> I'd pay for this with that. It's not yeah. how it works. But, like, in a really kind of practical and pragmatic way... Mm. The way I have an argument with my brother is calm and considered in a way that I don't think it would be if we hadn't been brought up in that environment. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for me, it, it, it's it's weird because it's it's never something that I've even thought about. Okay. So I'm I'm very lucky in the way that my parents had the how they brought me up to think about my disability and it was very much yeah you're disabled but you're still gonna do everything you know I'm not my mum was not gonna bother taking my brother to football training and then take me somewhere else because we would just both go to football training because that's easier and um that makes me that makes it sound like my mum's made this decision out of convenience it wasn't she's a lovely human being but um yeah the way they brought me up was was to see my disability as positive and 
Um, I think that really sort of came together sort of around about 15 when I started playing basketball um, because I then hung out with other disabled people and not only got to see that they were cool and funny and just generated people, um, but also um, it allowed me to actually do something that I, like, I don't want to say spectacular, it's, it's a big word, but <laughs> it was pretty spectacular how great I am. Uh, no, but it, it allowed me... you were internationally competitive. Yeah. We don't yeah. want to blow your horn for you, but... Yeah, yeah. Great Britain is a pretty big country, isn't it? Uh, no, so I played Great Britain under 23s, mm-hmm. um, which I'm very, very proud of. Um, and that allowed, and, and having that simple thing of, oh, this is only happening because I am disabled, was a huge moment for me. And it allowed me to do something that, you know, very few people get to do is, is represent their country in international sport in whatever level they can do. Um, and so I'm very, uh, fortunate to be in that position and I think what was interesting when I heard the heard the fact that I got called this nickname um, it it made me doubt it for the first time in well I mean certainly before I started playing basketball so before I was 15 I think I had some negativity towards it but that was mainly to not getting any wear with girls but um, I mean, it's also incredibly difficult being a teenager at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it was the disability. I think it was much more my personality and yeah. BO. But, you know. Hormones and... Yeah. I know, I mean, I was awkward. Well, I wasn't really that awkward around girls. I could be friends with girls, mm. but I had no idea how to be romantic with women. Yeah, that is, I think that is a problem that is not... Uh, attributable in necessarily in any way to your disability. I know plenty I, that would of be, yeah, that would grown be up people who are yeah. still extremely awkward with people they're attracted to, mm. um, who are capable of friendship, but sort of find it very difficult to to go anything further than that. Yeah, yeah. It's just because it's a hard thing to do for anyone. Yes, and it's also that thing of you know when you're a teenager, not to kind of minimise your feelings at the time that you were a teenager and struggling with your disability, you hate yourself. There's something, there's going to be something that you hate about yourself. There's definitely something that you would always want to change. I don't think I hated myself at Well, you're doing point. better than most 13 Well, yeah, I hate myself now, so that helps. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it, I, I remember having this, this conversation with a friend of mine. Of just She ooh. was saying that, you know, she was struggling with her identity because she hated herself as a teenager and hated her body. Mm. And I was like, well, yes, you know, that is being a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> That's the process of being a teenager. Mm. But, it, yeah, I just think it's interesting that that um, perception could be changed from just that one thing, that one comment. And, like, I still think it's a cool nickname, but I think the the thing that upset me about it was the premise behind it of if it wasn't me who she slept with and gave me, gave that nickname... And it was someone who wasn't able, who didn't have my positive experience of disability, mm. what would have happened? And, you know, I'm not saying that that, like, a nickname can change, you know, would result in, you know, somebody doing something that they regret or, or you know, whatever. But I've, even with my positive attitude towards my disability, it's still sort of 
um, three for a loop. Yeah, and it and it affected it. And like, if I didn't have so much evidence of positivity because of it, it would be harder to shake that off. And I think that's what sort of got me about it, and that's why I wanted to write a show about it is because um, if I want to, hopefully, if, you know, enough people come to the Pleasance at 3.20 every day of the Fringe, apart from Monday the 17th, uh, <laughs> for example, uh, then hopefully it can... <laughs> uh, some of my experiences can count towards that positive evidence that other people have towards disability. And they don't have to live the life I've lived, um, or but it's just a chance for me to sort of show what it's like to be... Like, my experience of being disabled, it means that if, some, for example, someone who is disabled comes to the show and it, and has a similar thing happen to them, then they have enough experience of positivity in order for that to not affect them as badly as it could do if they didn't see the show. Yeah, which I think is... That's a really interesting line to walk, talking mm. about how this... You push, know, please. Come on. Big pun? Push rather than walk. <laughs> that's... If it's an interesting line, it's going to be very wiggly. Uh, I can walk a little bit, guys. Alice is fine. I'm fine. Uh, well, am I? This is a real question. Is that, that stuff where you kind of corrected me on my language, that's a yeah. fun game to play yes. among comedians. But it is a thing that's happening now. People are being, you know, changing words, being careful about yes. words. And your experience of this nickname, I think, is a really kind of good example mm. of you know, a situation that is more complicated than just somebody using the wrong word to refer to you. Yes, absolutely. And, like, I did that just as a joke because I'm a bit of a dickhead. But, um, yes, I think and I, I think that's certainly the case. And, and for me, you know, before all of this happened, you know, I, as I say, I have a very positive attitude towards disability. You know, when someone says... Ooh, are you differently abled or disabled? I say I'm disabled. Like, it, I'm less able to do a lot of things. I think it's an accurate word, but it doesn't mean that I'm less able to do everything. And um, In some ways, you're more able to, for example, play basketball for your country. Guilty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's part and parcel of it. Like, I think um, with, with this kind of stuff, you know, I totally understand that some people want to be referred to as differently abled or or whatever language they choose to want to be um, talked to. And I, I understand that and appreciate that. And I want to do that for those people. But for me, it's it's never been an issue. And and I don't think it would be an issue now. But for me, it's, it's less about the words and more about the intent. And I think... In, if she'd called me Hot Wheels because it was a funny joke between the two of us. Yeah. Um, or, you know, there was a Hot Wheels car in the room when we slept together. or And she'd made the connection between the two of us. That's absolutely fine. I would have been all for that. But the fact that she came up... I don't know whether or not she came up with it or her friends came up with it about her... Whatever. About me, sorry. Um... It just seems like that is that crossed a line as far as I was concerned. And I know she's done it about other people and 
I, I've heard the nicknames she gives other people and they are derogatory. Mm-hmm. And so... In that context, it becomes more... It then becomes derogatory because if you know the nickname of somebody else, and I'm not going to say the nickname, obviously, um, but, you know, to have something in line with a nickname that you think, oh, I'd never want to be called that. Um, Yeah, it's a a different thing if she's watching Fleabag and there's Hot Priest and Hot Wheels. Yes. You know, if that's the way that she's just referring to her lovers. Yeah, I mean, if I... Look, to ever be compared to a Hot Priest... Oh, (laughs) But I think that's one of the things, like, like, as kind of abstracting it away from your experience is that you can have these kind of intimate conversations. Yeah. You can have person-to-person conversations and you can have, as you say, you're talking to someone who prefers to be called differently abled. You'll call mm. them differently abled. It doesn't mm. bother you. You don't mind in another conversation yeah. to be called disabled. But no conversation now can ever be um, safely assumed to remain in the room that it's in. I mean, this yes. one isn't. We've got a microphone. It's going out to... What? You didn't just want to have a chat? I'm furious. <laughs> we had a nice chat last night. We now, did have a nice a, chat. We've had our one nice chat, and now we have our one... Monetizing <laughs> Monetizing chat. No, but you you, you know what I mean? It, it is something that has changed the dynamics of how people interact, because you can't necessarily... I mean, even if you can assume goodwill on a one-to-one yeah. scale, mm. someone else might be hurt by the way that I'm referring to you, even in a private conversation. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's that's what happened with this nickname. Like, the full story is she wouldn't tell me the nickname. And I found out because I saw it on a text that her friend sent to her. And... Um, you know, as I say, the, the the name doesn't bother me. I think it's a funny nickname. Um, but it's the the message that comes from it and behind it is what upsets me. Um, and... Uh, and? All right, fine. We might have to delete this later. But, like, so she's really annoyed that I'm calling the show Hot Wheels and things didn't end brilliantly between us. Um, and I think it is... Uh, the the premise of the sh- like the whole point of the show is the nickname is literally the first three minutes of the show and then it's just here are some stories about this fun thing that happens to me because I'm in a wheelchair or because I get to queue jump at Thorpe Park or whatever um, I haven't written anything about Thorpe Park eh, just occurred to me I might do that anyway um, I'll make a note for you I, I'll, I'll I'll write it down when I listen to the podcast back. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no one does. Yeah, I mean, I'm egotistical, but I do not want to listen to me talk about trying to be earnest. Oh, God. <laughs> Ugh, the worst. I know, this is such a terrible podcast. <laughs> I have funny podcasts, too. This one just Okay, can't. I'm glad you didn't invite me on one of those. No. no I, I, I only want to uh, be known as almost earnest. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm going for. Um, so, yeah, so it didn't, it didn't end well. And, uh, you know, I... I wanted to make sure... What I didn't want to happen is for her to find out what the show was called and what the show is about, in quotation marks, um, and think it's an hour of stand-up about her. And at the end, I put on a projector screen her Instagram page and her name and her dress and all that kind of stuff. Um, And I don't want people to think that I'm 
you know, laughing about her or, or even talking about her because I'm not. I want to talk about my experiences of being in a wheelchair and that's really the jumping off point. Um, well, I imagine it's sort of like often the way that you'll write a show is around something that makes you re-examine and reconsider your assumptions. Mm. You're in a moment where you suddenly go, you're full of rage or you're full of anger or you're full of despair or you're full of amusement. Mm. And it makes you kind of, yeah, again, as you said, it, you had been quite comfortable with being disabled and mm. proud of being disabled mm. and had all of these quite nice things happen to you. Mm. And then all of a sudden it gets kind of thrown in your face and is, as an insult. And you're, mm. you're reminded of the fact that for many people it is an insult mm. that in this instance, you are being kind of bandied around and devalued and treated as just your wheelchair. Yeah. Which Wh- is... Which, I mean, it is the most interesting thing about me. I'm not going to deny <laughs> it. It's a great wheelchair. Um, Look, it's not that interesting. Well, um, you haven't been in it, have a, you? No, I haven't. It is a nice looking... It's a very sporty wheelchair. Yeah, I was very lucky with it. Uh, basically, what happened is my old basketball coach... That he runs a wheelchair. By the way, that was a compliment saying you're thank more you, interested than in your wheelchair. Oh, thank you very much, yeah. <laughs> I realised I framed it as an insult. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying it's not the most interesting thing about you, but I said it in a mean way. Yeah. He, he really sort of had a go at the wheelchair rather than a compliment of me. But, you know, yeah. um, thank you very much. I uh, So, yeah, my basketball coach, um, he is, his, his business is wheelchair manufacturing. Um it's just a coincidence, it's got no, no relation to the fact that he's in a wheelchair uh, at all. Um, and basically what happened is this guy... He's cornered the market there. Exactly. Yeah, he, no, he's done very well. Just going to um, coach this team and yeah. can buy all my merch. Yeah, that's basically what happened. <laughs> like, oh, I've popped a wheel. Do you know anywhere I can get it? Well, yes, sadly, I do. It's £27 <laughs> for two wheels. Um, uh, actually, it's £27 each. Very expensive. Anyway, oh. um, so... Yeah, basically what happened is this guy custom-built a wheelchair for his own specifications for, like, thousands of pounds, like two and a half thousand pounds, three thousand pounds or something, and then decided he didn't like it. And so my basketball coach was like, do you want this wheelchair for, like, a couple of hundred quid? And I was like, yeah. And I just got a really good wheelchair for a very, very cheap price. Oh, nice. And I've had that for nine years I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm a frugal man. Yeah. I can't really afford a new wheelchair. I think I have a pair of boots that I wear every day that I've had since 2007. That's impressive. Which is... Every day? I I haven't worn them every day since 2007, but these days I wear them every day. Okay. I can't do that because I go through shoes very quickly. As you may be able to tell, uh, this is great for the podcast, by the way, but uh, got a bit of a rip in these, Ah. these trainers. These yeah, are my good trainers. Oh, they're your good trainers. Yeah. I uh, I bought a new pair of these trainers, but I'm not, I haven't put, bought them out of the box yet because I want to wait until after I've done a photo shoot for my show poster so I've actually got clean trainers on and then I can start wearing them. I see. Because these have lasted almost a year, which is, like, remarkable for me. Uh, I go through trainers like nobody's business. This is really dull, isn't it? I mean, comparatively dull, but that's okay. Okay, good. We can bring it back to, to wheelchairs if you like. Uh, no, apparently it's not the most interesting thing about me. So. It is not. It's not. I've seen your comedy. You're a very good comedian. Uh, Thank you. And I would argue that there are fewer comedians than there are wheelchair users. Ooh. That is Therefore, difficult. it's a rarer quality. Um, hmm. I've certainly met more comedians 
particularly in the last five years, yes. when I've been doing comedy, uh, are there more wheelchair users than comedians? In the world. In the world. Well, I think there are whole sort of countries where being a stand-up comedian isn't a job. That's true. And they would, or certainly not a viable career prospect. Yeah, that's true. Huh. I'll Google it later. Yeah, Google it later. Tell yeah. me if I'm wrong. That yeah, means. and then you can put the, on the intro being like, just so you know, about 20 minutes in, we discussed whether or not there's wheelchair users that are more <laughs> than comedians. And uh, turns out I was right. Uh, I would hazard a guess that there are more comedians than wheelchair users, but less comedians than there are disabled people. Yes, possibly. I don't, I don't know the stats on that. Me neither. We'll Google it. We'll tell you later, guys. We won't tell you later. Okay, you but Google I it. I think, yeah, no, certainly playing playing sports for your country is a rarer thing than... Yeah, that, I would agree with that. A yeah. rarer and more interesting thing. Yes. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was a very fun time. It was a weird time as well. And then you did powerlifting as well. Yes. Yeah, so I did powerlifting for a couple of years. So I, I played basketball from 15 to 22 uh, in terms of age, um, and that was really fun. I loved basketball, still do, and I would love to go back playing basketball, but I don't have the time because it's all evenings and weekends, and that is when I'm unavailable. Um, it's all very well, you know, being free in the afternoon, but nobody else is, so mm-hmm. you're just playing by yourself. And... Um, yeah, so I did that. So I really liked that. And then it got to the stage where I was, I set very high targets for myself. And so I, I look back at my basketball career with a lot of pride and a lot of fondness. But at the time, I was so driven and had such tunnel vision of where I wanted to be. And, you know, there was only... So I wanted to play in the Paralympics. I wanted to win a gold medal. I wanted to be the winning captain who scored the winning shot to win the Paralympics. That's how... Gold medal in the Paralympics. That's how high I set my targets. And if I fell short of that, I was not happy. Um, And so it just meant that in terms of the the progression I was heading towards was not going to be that high because that's a ridiculous well it's also setting yourself a goal over which you have little Mm. ultimate control correct you know you can't control the quality of the whole team yep you can't really control whether you get to become the captain or not but that is true ends up being internal politics as much as anything else exactly uh it's one of the i think fascinating things is transitioning from basketball to powerlifting i imagine sure. there is you might be one of the only athletes in the entire history of the world who's gone from basketball to powerlifting i know definitely one who's done it both more successfully in basketball and powerlifting than i have uh-huh. um she played for Great Britain in several Paralympics and then is now doing very well in powerlifting. Um, and yes, I don't know many who have done that transition. It's not as big a transition as you would assume. Um, I think that if... So with Paralympic powerlifting, it's very different to able-bodied powerlifting. Mm-hmm. So it's it's... In its simplest form, it's just a bench press. Um, and it's who can lift the most in a bench press um, within certain, you know, rules and uh, 
what's deemed like good and bad in terms of like you have to have control of the bar and all that kind of stuff and you have to wait for a second until they can tell you when to lift it and all that kind of stuff but um essentially it is just about how strong you can make that one movement i've always been quite strong um i started going to the gym when i was 15 and i was always uh, when i was 15 i was bench pressing more than the so I was in year nine and the people in sixth form and I could outbench them. We would have bench press competitions and I would win them. Um, it's just something I've always been able to do. And that and that's the reason why I started powerlifting. You've been good at shoving things away from your body. Yeah, I'm very good at lifting things once uh, <laughs> if I'm lying down. It's a very useful uh, life skill. Um, and uh, yeah, I, um, I was just good at it. I didn't really love powerlifting. I liked it. It was fun. But um, it was mainly just because I was good at it. And I thought, well, I'm not getting where I want to be in terms of the basketball. Um, so I sort of changed tact and then started doing powerlifting. And I got quite good at that and won. Won? What did you win? Go on. You're looking well, so English about this. You don't I was a world champion powerlifter, all right? You were a world champion yeah, powerlifter. Uh, yeah. Uh, world Drug Free Powerlifting Federation World Champion 2013. Um, and uh, yeah so that was amazing um, I went to Belgium for 25 hours uh, <laughs> so I left on the train at 9 o'clock in the morning and then I got back on the train at 10 o'clock in the morning the next day oh I think it was like 2 and then 3 I don't think it was that early um, and I and I only had like a rucksack that had you know my like here's something really cool competition leotard uh <laughs> i used to go. row i know a competition yeah, leotard. it's a sexy sexy outfit um, mid-thigh mid-thigh yeah and uh yeah it was um bright blue as well so really really it's a snazzy number. I, I mean, I don't want to tell you. I, I mean, feel like that would look good with your colouring. You've got quite dark brown hair. Blue and brown mm. are a good combination. They set each other off. Okay. I, I will send you a picture of me in my leotard <laughs> and you can make a decision whether or not you think I look good in it. Because right. I can tell you, I do not. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I only had that and then, you know, a change of clothes or whatever. And so I only had this tiny little rucksack. I went to Belgium. And then I was coming back the next day and I had this massive powerlifting trophy on my lap. <laughs> and like, I was so knackered as well. And so sort of... Uh, Overwhelmed. Yeah, a bit yeah. confused. And so I really hadn't taken it in. And um, and like, I was just sat on the tube and people kept asking me what the competition, like what the trophy was. And I was just like, uh, I sort of became a world champion like 10 hours ago is that a thing like it, but obviously it's on the tube you're not going to be like I'm the dick like it, so yeah it was a very odd experience and then uh, do you still have the trophy I still have the trophy mm-hmm. uh, it may or may not make an appearance during this year's show nice um, I haven't decided how it's going to feature um, but I have a lo- I like the idea of like revealing it halfway through the show like it's on stage the whole time and then I reveal it that it's there and you don't really notice it um yeah I still have the trophy uh I stopped doing powerlifting because 
it was I, I got a little bit of an injury um, in my back and uh, the bigger thing was that it was very ex- uh, ex- exclusive as a hobby mm-hmm. so it meant that I couldn't really do anything so I was a personal trainer so I was working in the gym sort of 40 45 hours a week then I was training for powerlifting in a gym so like my work was in the gym my hobby was in the gym and I don't really like the gym um, <laughs> which is which makes it very difficult um, to keep that going and like it just means that you can't go out because you can't eat you can't drink you can't you can't do anything um, and so when I started I did my first gig whilst I was still powerlifting because I was like, right, I want to do something different. I need, like, I'm too much in this sort of circle of eat, train, sleep, work, eat, train, sleep, work. And I was like, right, what's the stupidest thing I could do? Oh, why don't I just stand up? That'd be, that's fine. That's, what's going wrong? And I did it and I was like, oh, yeah, this I can go out and have fun and then just talk about it. Yeah. Whereas this, I'm only allowed to have one chicken drumstick think every day and <laughs> it wasn't a difficult choice uh, between the two. So, so yeah, so I, I essentially quit between sort of my third gig and my fourth gig. Um, I was just like, nah, this... And do you still work in the gym? I don't. I quit my job in July mm-hmm. uh, and now I just do comedy which Congratulations. is thank you it's it's great in theory uh i can afford food and shelter which is lovely but i can't afford edinburgh so we need to figure out that um unless this podcast pays 10 grand to be on yeah no, i'm afraid it doesn't pay quite that much oh, okay uh, <laughs> sh- yeah, it's a bit uh, it's too late to but we'll figure is- out something um <laughs> I'm going to have to wrap this up now. I can okay. talk to you uh, for a I long time. To, have no, I you talked have, to the You've talked to the, for the exact right amount of time. Okay, good. Um, but I feel like we have a lot more to talk about. Mm. So I'll have to have you back again if you'd be willing. Sure thing. I'll make you another hot Ribena. It was cracking. It was Nailed it. Good. Thank you. Uh, where can people find you online and support your work and support your quest to get to Edinburgh at Pleasance at 3.15? Very close. 3.20. But turn 320. up at 3.15. Turn up at 3.15 and get so, a good seat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, I am at Rolling Comedian. Like rolling down a hill, not J.K. Rowling. Even mm-hmm. though I love Harry, we didn't even talk about Harry Potter. We'll oh, we about... did not. We next time we'll talk about Harry Potter. Yeah. Okay. So uh, write that down. Um, Writing it down right now with my uh, pen that has a feather on the end. I noticed it, and I was going to mention it, but then I was like, I'll wait until the Harry Potter thing comes out, and then it didn't come up. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm doing that. Uh, the Fringe. Um, that's the show I'm very excited about. That's the Hot Wheels show. Um, I am. I'm hopefully doing my Harry Potter themed show again in Edinburgh, but that's yet to be confirmed. Um, but if you look for me and you find it will be about it'll be about me and it be about Harry Potter and whether or not uh, I love Harry Potter more than I love my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> it's a very difficult decision to make. Uh, and then I am also doing the Soho Theatre in April. So if you'd like to come along to that, it's April the 13th and 14th. Uh, and that is my last year show called Disabled Coconut which was all about whether, when I got trolled on the internet for not being disabled enough excellent look all of those things up and Aaron Simmons Correctamundo Correctamundo uh, I will also be all over the place but I'll plug that at the beginning of this show which I assume you'll already heard 
because I'll do an intro. Yeah, what a weird way. Remember that thing I did? That's what I'm about to do now. That's what you just told them. Thank you so much for coming. Um, Pleasure. If people contact contact you on Twitter at Rolling Comedian, um, I'm sure that will be fun for everyone. Yep, absolutely. Thank you so much for having tea with me. Pleasure.